We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings, Arnold Palmer Invitational, picks and research, guess the odds, course breakdown, the key stats, the more important stats, hopefully, that I've identified that you want to research before. Making all your picks, of course, on Monday, Feinberg and I are going to go through the entire betting breakdown. Wednesday, we'll have the final bets, Tambo and I breaking down the DraftKings field, so... Reminder to smash the like while you're here, sub to Mayo Media Network, and join the Pat Mayo Experience Listeners League. There's 3,500 spots available. Yeah, they made it bigger for this week. We fill it quickly. We probably get 5,000 spots for the Players' Championship in a week's time, which means $65,000 of rake-free guaranteed money. So let's fill this up as quickly as possible, get our hands on some of that rake-free money. Wouldn't that be nice? The best tournament on DraftKings for golf every single week. My walkthrough today provided by FantasyNational.com. If you want to do your own research and get a membership, go to FantasyNational.com slash Mayo. Get yourself 20% off all memberships. If you're trying it out for the first time, recommend that you do it on Wednesday. You get the weekly, so you get 20% off. I think it's like six bucks or something like that, six, seven bucks. And you do that on Wednesday, you get Wednesday to Wednesday, which means you get all of the Arnold Palmer Invitational and then all of the Players' Championship as well. So get yourself a two-for-one deal at fantasynational.com slash mayo. Here are the quick things that you need to know about this course. It's at Bay Hill. It's 120 players only as an invitational field, 20 million dollars in the purse. So it's one of the big one-and-done weeks if you're going to burn someone near the very top. It's a very difficult course. No winner has been better than minus 12 with two winners in the single digits over the past four years. You can have a big win influence on this course. And we've really, honest to God, seen a lot of European players and international players do very well at Bay Hill over the year. The baseline for a European player has been much better than the baseline for your average American player, which makes sense. A lot of long irons, a lot of wind, keeping the ball low, creativity around the greens. You just don't see a lot of courses like this on the PGA Tour. You see more courses like this on the DP World Tour that are this wind-affected 
all the time. It's brutally long, longer than the scorecard actually indicates, mainly because you have forced layups, you have forced carries in different spots, and how much of the water do you actually want to take on on some of these holes to have your risk-reward, especially on the par fives. We all know this is the hole, hole number six at Bay Hills, where Bryson went bombs away and tried to drive the green. Almost got there. He ended up winning that year, too, I believe. He won it one of these years. Anyway, that's the quick info that you need to know for the Arnold Palmer Invitational, so let's get to the course. Unfortunately for the course this week, the flyover that no one really has great overviews or a flyover of the course itself, so we're going to have to use some Google Maps and high-quality 420 DP, or I guess it wouldn't even be HD. It would just be SD. 420 SD is what we're getting here. So it's Bay Hill, 7,466 yards. is a par 72. Uh, Bermuda grass greens tend to play lightning fast. The average length of the par 3s is 216 and a half yards. The shortest one is 199 yards with all three checking in and at least 215 yards or longer. These were four of the six toughest holes last year in terms of birdie rate, all under 11%, with hole 2 being the toughest of them all to actually score on at under 8%. The average length of the par 4s is 421 yards. While the average length is what you'd expect, there are three holes measuring 400 yards or fewer in three that go over 460 yards. The par fours at each end of the nine take backstrokes. Hole 18 was the toughest last year, historically the toughest hole on the course, and hole eight was the second most difficult. Uh, all Both of those holes, eight and 18, notching birdie or worse rates north of 25%. For the par fives, the average length is 557 yards. The shortest is 511, with all of the other three coming in over 555 yards. The four easiest holes on the course, all of them carry over a 30% birdie rate. Hole number 16 has a crazy 5% eagle rate last year, even though it played exceptionally difficult. The course in general last year, number 16, is where you want to do your scoring in nearly every and it nearly matches the 6%. So it's a 6% bogey rate and a 5% eagle rate. So you can go bad on that hole, but that's really where you can make up a lot of the difference. And this is your yearly reminder to consult the weather report before submitting your lineups, before making any wagers. A clear wave stack due to wind may emerge throughout the course of the week. You might just want to blindly go PM AM for some stacks, AM PM, then leave the rest up to chance or go 5 1, 1 5, however it is that you see fit for your DraftKings lineup. And the gusts are up. It's going to dramatically change the type of player that you probably want to target. If the wind is up at this course, just think of that as the default. Although sometimes it doesn't make that big of a deal. Like we've seen Rory win this in 2018 at minus 18. Every one back to back years, minus 19, minus 13. But as I mentioned before, the past four years, Scheffler wins at five under, Bryson wins at 11 under, Hatton wins at 4 under, and Molinari wins at 12 under, which is just kind of crazy to think about when you start parsing everything together. In 2020, when Hatton won, the win was so bad on the weekend that Fitzpatrick shot a 69 in round four, and he was the only player to crack 70 Saturday or Sunday. Hatton actually became the first player since Jeff Ogilvie at the 2006 U.S. Open to fire two rounds over par on the weekend and still win. Now, he played great that year. He won at minus four. It's not like he was shooting 80, but he wasn't under par by any means. Last year, Scotty Scheffler charged from the pack on Saturday when the leaders started to get stifled due to gusty conditions, and they got dealt a bad hand. And obviously, the forecast can change as the week goes. Molinari and Rory McIlroy 
both staged at least six-stroke comebacks on Sunday in 2018 and 2019. So no one's ever really dead at this course. When you keep checking back with your DraftKings lineup, and there's wait till it's all over before you start victory laughing or thinking that you've either won or haven't won money for the week. Uh, it makes a nice live betting opportunity too, and you're going to kind of have to go with your gut because everyone's going to look like they're playing like crap, but Maybe you can get someone that goes out a little bit before the leaders as long as we see what's going on right now in terms of the wind. It looks like Friday afternoon's an absolute bloodbath. But again, I'm recording this on a Saturday afternoon. A lot can change over the course of the next seven days. So keep up to date on that. Obviously, Tambo and I are going to have that uh, on our preview show on Wednesday if you do want to check that out. There's water everywhere on almost every shot. You can see it in your vision. There's 84 bunkers across the course. The bunker, greenside bunker is actually quite easy. Sort of the opposite of Memorial in that sense, where if you get yourself into the greenside bunkers, you can get up and down pretty easily at this course, as long as you're not short-sided with the pin in front of you. And those collection areas for the bunkers are a lot of the bailout areas, generally to the right of a lot of holes. If the water is on the left, uh, you're just going to be bunkered all along the green side. So that's fine. It's, it's not that big of a deal. You see that the driving accuracy is higher, five percentage points over the tour average. 65 to 60%. Now, that's mainly because of the forced carries and forced layups uh, in different places. If you want to take on more of the water, listen, that's what Bryson did. RIP to Bryson for this event because he was really legit on it. And you can send it, but like John Daly made an 18 on number six in 1998. Uh, and since 1983, number six has produced 23 scores in the double digits. That's most on tour of any hole. So it really depends on where you're going. You want to have great long irons. And, and as we'll see when we jump over to fantasynational.com, that take a look at the course conditions and the course break. We'll go to the course breakdown first. You're going to see that almost 30% of strokes come from 200 yards and beyond. That's what happens when you get so many long par threes and these really long par fives. It's just, if you're going to hit your long irons, well, you're probably going to have a good week. If you can hit them below the wind and get some roll up on some of these greens and you're a pretty good bunker player, well, that can work as well. Just very few wedge shots, just all of this, like one, this 150 bucket, 175 bucket, 200 plus bucket. You see that 29% of strokes coming in there. That is the plurality this week. And even if we sort by top five finishers over the course of the past five years. You see that approach. Listen, approach means the most every week. That's not, not some new revelation, but it is more emphasized at Bay Hill than almost any other course. It's over two times as impactful as strokes gained off the tee and three times as impactful as strokes gained around the green. Obviously, putting's putting. You're, you're not going to be a crappy putter and end up winning, uh, at least for the week. You can be a crappy putter, generally speaking, and do well at this course. But you're going to have to gain like, I mean, we saw Rory go absolutely nuclear on the greens one year. We'll take a look back on that in a second when we get to the field. But like if you gain like three to five strokes on the greens, there's a chance that you can probably win this event. Got to make it up on the par fives and just don't bleed it away on the par threes and par fours. That's really what we're talking about. Uh, I already went through the average hole distribution. You can kind of see it's all over the map. The cut line, plus four a year ago, plus three, plus four, plus two, plus two, plus four, plus one, and then you have minus one. So for actual like DraftKings notes, when we look at everything, uh, where it's only 120 players this year, maybe that ends up changing, but as of right now, that's where it stands. That means at least 53% of players are going to make the cut 
this year. Uh, it's all like your old school invitational tournaments. Now, we didn't get that from Genesis a few weeks ago. We had more players in the field. So that does allow, if there are sleepers that you like, uh, you can kind of go at it. You see last year you had two very calm rounds and the cut was still plus four. Then you had the windy as fuck rounds in rounds three and rounds four. Had a pretty good year except for round four the year before. Then it was just moderate every time in 2020. And it's funny that it was moderate and it played so hard. That was the year that Hatton won at four under. Just wreaked havoc the entire time. You see the rough is very long. That's why there is an extra emphasis on hitting the fairway. Why iron shots mean so much because you get some really bad iron shots and everything is weighted of course so if you're buried in this thick rough chances are you might go into the water you have to scull it out in front of you because you just have to hack it we've seen scotty shuffler last year didn't matter where he hit it he was just sticking the ball close and making all of his 15 footers that's how he ended up winning i remember him being beneath the tree and just taking his medicine was something that scotty did very well in this tournament when the winning score is only going to be minus five that's something that you need to do so you see minus five minus 11 minus four minus 12 what do those scores really remind you of? I know I backed Willie Z at this tournament last year. He ended up coming in 15th, I believe. But these just reek of Scotty Scheffler type scores. And when we kind of take a look at it, you see Jason Day has won both this and Tory Pines in his career. That's always nice to see. Uh, Scotty Scheffler has not won at both. Who was the other one? There's two players who have won at both of them. No, I can't remember for the life of me. Mark Leishman was the other one. Won at Tory Pines and then won at this event as well. Then you have other champions from I mean obviously Tiger won like both 30 billion times in his career but he's done that everywhere besides <laughs> besides at uh, Riviera throughout the course of his career so I wouldn't put too much stock into that but we have seen you know Max Homa just recently won at Torrey he's had a very good run here with uh, two top 20s and I think three top 20s over this past three starts at this course you've seen Justin Rose pile up some top 10s in his career at this course. Luke List has two top 10s the past three years. Another winner at Torrey Pines. We know how well, I mean, not so much this year, but Will Zalatoris has fared at Torrey Pines in his career. So that's why, you know, the early look for me, just that was the name that was really gravitating and really jumping out of the page to me immediately was going to be Will Zalatoris. The field, very strong. Overall, all of the regulars you would expect to be playing this event when it's worth $20 million, uh, 3.6 or 3.8 to first place. Once again, to reemphasize, this is a week where you want your one and done to perform really well. Like to take a look at me right now, I think I'm still inside the top 50 or top 60 of the race for the Mayo Cup at fantasygolfchampionship.com, trying to get that 50 mil or 50, 50 mil, that'd be even nicer, 50 grand for first place. But I go Scheffler and then Max Homa. Through the two elevated events, you know, you get one you get one winner and you get one second place, and then all of a sudden it really doesn't matter that your guy missed the cut at Pebble Beach or the Honda Classic. It's really irrelevant to the conversation as long as you can capitalize on those big fields. It's like doing really well in the major. So everyone's here. All the top players, you get Rory, Rom, and Scheffler, JT, and Homa. There's a couple guys that really haven't played all that much at this course over the years. So let's kind of run through those guys because you just the expectation is that all of the best players are going to play. And yes, they're all in the field. Cantley and Tom Kim are getting their first crack at this course ever. Let's take a look at the tournament history, and you can kind of see that bear itself out a little bit. Oh yeah, there's a. Let's go back and just sort by the 2022 leaderboard. You can see some of the names on the screen right now. They're up there. Scheffler, Hatton, Horschel, Hovland. If Hovland just had a short game, him and Gary last year, if they just had a short game, they probably would have won this event. Then you have Herbert, who's Herbert and 
who was sort of the opposite, where he has like no ball striking game to speak of, but all of the short game in the world. Uh, other names that were up there from a year ago, Burns, Fitzpatrick, Keegan, Connors, Henley, Rory, Cam Young, Max Homa, John Rom. John Rom, that was his first start a year ago at this course, ended up coming T17. So you've had over the past eight seasons, Rom, Xander, JT, Spieth, and Cam Young have only played this course one time. Thomas hasn't played it in eight years. In his one appearance, he came tied for 49th. It was eight years ago. Uh, Shoffley came T24 in his only appearance. Spieth was T4. Cam Young made his first appearance a year ago and was T13. And then you have other guys that have only played it once uh, within the past three years, uh, basically since the, the the week before the pandemic started in 2020, Morikawa came ninth, Finau missed the cut, and Harmon missed the cut, and they haven't been back since. And then we're getting some guys from overseas coming to play this course. Uh, Moronk, who played the Genesis, played the Honda, made the cut in both of them. He's going to be at this course this week. My guy, Min, woo! Lee, uh, you know, up and down at the Honda, ended up making the cut. He's in the field. Uh, you have my guy, Thirsty Lawrence. Uh, Tristan Lawrence from South Africa, number 83rd in the world rankings, making his first ever U.S. start on the PGA Tour. I love me some Thirsty Lawrence. Big, big fan of Thirsty Lawrence. Got a win on the DP World Tour earlier, or sorry, late last season. Ryan Fox is playing as well, a bomber with a very good short game. And you have the top-ranked amateur in the world, the Swede, Ludwig Abberg. Yeah, he's going to be here too. This is always a tournament, you know, Arnie's tournament. So you you get some of the uh, the top-ranked amateurs coming through. You see that Jack's tournament as well. So let's take a look back at the actual strokes gained from last year and see how it was done. You see Scotty lost off the tee. All approach, 8.1 on approach, very good good enough around the greens. Sam Burns was the only player, it looks like, outside of John Rahm inside the top 20 who lost strokes around the green. But 8.1 on approach, 4.3 on putting. You're good to go. Uh, Hovland just gained across the board. Was he the tee to green leader? Let's see. Connors was actually the tee to green leader and lost three strokes on the green. Big shocker there for Corey Connors. He lost three strokes putting in an event. That's like a career best performance from him. Aaron Wise lost 4.4, but hey, at the Honda Classic, he made that putt from just off the just on the fringe to actually get through to the weekend. What a weird week for Aaron Wise at the Honda Classic. He was hitting it in the water, making outrageous putts to make the cut, making eagles on the hardest hole on the course from the middle of the fairway, and then just blowing up at really weird times. Just a very strange week, although very good run at this tournament last year. Hovland, then Rom, then Steele. Steele, obviously, now on a live, then Chris, or Chris Kirk, who, as we're speaking, is currently winning the Honda. I don't know if he's gonna win the Honda, because I've God forbid my guy, Eric Cole, can win. That would be fucking amazing. And that would set me up for a pretty profitable year. It would take me a while to lose back all the Eric Cole winnings at 175 to 1 in the top five to go along with it. So me saying that can almost assure you that he is not going to win this week at the Honda. Really hope I'm wrong about that, by the way. So guys who gained on approach last year, obviously Scheffler was well above the field. You had Rom who couldn't chip or putt at this place, but absolutely destroyed it in the ball striking regard. You have Max Homa. I mean, just guys that play well at Torrey Pines. You got Rom and Homa. I mean, Horschel, I think, had a pretty good run there. Was it Phoenix he had the good run? Can't really remember. Hideki, another one who plays that course really well. We've seen Hovland play that course really well. Woodland has played that course really well over the course of his career. So just different guys. Sam Burns is another one. I really like Sam Burns. I think he might end up being a really nice value just because, you know, he was bad in Phoenix. Was he bad at Genesis? I, I bet him at Genesis. He was god-awful. 
he missed the cut. But before that, uh, just very middling performances, but a sixth at, in Phoenix. He had an, a ten, or 11th at the American Express, opened with a very poor performance at the Tournament of Champions. But if you go take a look, the Arnold, the Arnold Palmer Invitational, just very, he's had He's played it five times, made the cut four of those times. But look at the those putting splits. Six strokes gained, 4.6, 7.2. If he can just match up the driving and approach at this course. And he did the approach last year, just couldn't chip and not really drive the ball all that well. But we know that he is such an excellent putter, especially on Bermuda, especially in Florida, that it might be the time to try to strike big. And he's, he's riding in with some very gaudy performances on the greens right now. So Sam Burns, definitely someone who caught my eye very early over the course of the past five years. It's Rory above all else, never finished worse than T13. Although when you go back and look at it, you know, he has four top tens over those five starts, first, sixth, fifth, 10th, 13th, getting worse just by a little bit. Uh, and it'd be nice for Rory to reestablish himself. It'd be actually be really cool because Scheffler and Rom, I mean, Rom has three wins. Scheffler has one. Rory's the other guy who's in that mix is the best player in the world that getting him one before the masters and whoo, you know, with the players next week is going to be awesome for that. That all the masters odds are going to be crazy too. Chris Kirk, despite only playing this event four times, currently leading in the Honda. Like I mentioned, he loves himself some Florida. Uh, he has four Top 15s in those four starts. He's second in total strokes gained. Fitzpatrick has four consecutive top 10s at this course. You see Sungjae, uh, four starts, four top 21s with two tied for third. Hatton has won this, comes second, uh, and T21 in the past three years. So the guys that do well tend to do really well here. And you see Northern Irish, British, South Korean, British, Keegan Bradley, it's kind of weird, British, South African, Charlie Hoffman, huh? Interesting stuff. Uh, Scheffler's played really well here. You have Keith Mitchell and Homa and Hovland, another Euro. Uh, Canadian, Japanese, South Korean. So, and Luke List is a, a very interesting one to look for here. Bad history the past few years. I mean, I believe everyone loved him last year after he won at Torrey Pines, but he was like a disaster after he won. He finally got that breakthrough win and knew he was safe for a little while, but he was cut in T63 the two years previous. The last two years, didn't play in 2020. Before that, 2019, a T10 and a T7. If we just take a little click over, we're starting to see Luke List get it back a little bit for what we want. And what does he do well? A lot like Will Zalatoris in a way, Luke List plays very well in super difficult conditions. He also plays well when it's super windy out. Okay, so that's good news. I would like to see these numbers right here. These need to rebound a little bit because obviously you don't want to be losing strokes around the green, but 11.4 strokes on approach at Genesis. He's going to keep 29th because he lost seven strokes putting. He hasn't gained strokes on the green since Memorial last year. Worth noting about Memorial, some of the fastest greens on tour, just the same as Bay Hill. Okay. PGA Championship last year. Very fast greens. Gained three strokes putting that week. Farmers at Torrey gained 3.7. That's only in three weighted rounds there. So maybe the faster greens can help him out a little bit. In five career starts at the Arnold Palmer Invitational, he has gained strokes putting in three of those years. I mean, three out of five doesn't sound very good. And last year, he lost 7.1 strokes on the green. Classic Lucas stuff. But... That's about as good as he's going to do at any course. Three out of five, like that, that might as well be 
99 out of 100 for a good putter. So really digging some Luke List this week. I mean, when he ends up losing like five strokes putting in the first round, I'm going to feel like an absolute goober. But these are some of the opportunities you have to take because of the six of six, six, of six percentage is going to be so high. And this is such a stacked field event with all these big names at the top. You're going to want to try to jam in as many of these top end guys as possible. Like, hell, just play just play Max Homa again. He plays really well at this course. He just won, just came in second. Like, let's let's let the good times roll with Max Homa. And I frankly, when I guess the odds this week, and I have it out in front of me right now, I have Homa fourth on the board in terms of betting odds. Like it's hard to you can't overlook what he's doing. He's not on the the level of the top three guys, but in terms of the betting market at the moment, really think that he's gonna be there soon. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So the other guys we want to take a look at, Jason Day, who has three consecutive top tens coming into action. And it's funny to see Ben Griffin just kind of lingering up there. Justin Thomas was one I wanted to do a deep dive of. Tyrrell Hatton was another one. And then we can take a look at Shane Lowry. Lowry might end up winning Honda uh, because he's making that run. Of course. Listen, I don't want him to win because I have no money on him. And I think I have 0% of Lowry on DraftKings. That almost ensures he's going to win. But after what happened to him in Honda last year, it'd be really nice to see him do well. And there was one more player that I wanted to dig a little deeper. It was Zalatoris. So we'll kind of highlight these guys. Sam Ryder is another one that I do want to highlight from down on the list. I wrote him up for my column on DraftKings Nation, which will come out late, uh, whatever Sony ends up coming out late Sunday night, whatever it is. So these are three player profiles that I really wanted to get into before we start sorting the modeling and the stats and everything that goes along with that. So you can see in four starts this year, no finish worse than T18. That was at the American Express. And here's the catch with Jason Day. What is he doing right now that mimics what he did when he won this tournament when he was the number one player in the world? Well, apparently he's by, he's just back to being the best putter on earth again, which let's go to 2015 when he went through that. Look at this stretch. This is outrageous. Major ninth, major fourth, wins the Canadian Open, 12 out of WGC, wins the PGA Championship, wins a playoff event, 12th, wins another playoff event. 10th at the Tour Championship, and then 10th and just kind of starts it all over and then wins API, following 10th at the Masters the next week. Look at this. Off the tee, an absolute dynamo. Just crushing it every single week. 5.4, 3.5, 7.4. 
very rarely, should I say, losing strokes around the green, doing very well around the green. But if you're hitting enough greens and regulation, that doesn't really matter as much. And these putting splits, 7.1, 8.8, every single fucking week with him. You know, he lost 3.7. That happens from time to time, 2.7. But just generally over four every single week. The approaches, some weeks they're absolutely blistering, some weeks they're down. And those are the weeks that he doesn't win during that stretch. What are we seeing right now from Jason Day? We are seeing blistering off the tee. Now, it's not 5.4 or 4.5, but on average, over the past five events, he's averaging 2.1 strokes per event off the tee. That's even like factoring in this RSM Classic, where he's just dog shit to end last year. If we just take 2023 and his four starts, it's been amazing. He's averaging, what, like 2.7, 2.6 strokes off the tee per start. The irons have been hit and miss. Good. And this is only in two weighted rounds, so 1.2 strokes gained on approach per round at the American Express. And Phoenix, a little bit less than that, but that's fine. Genesis, it was pretty bad, but he's gaining around the greens again. 2.2, 2.1. So he's saving himself if he is missing these greens in regulation. His ground game and his around the green game, his chipping has been so much better than it was during stretches when it was just pretty bad. That never really went away from him. It was the driver and the irons that really plagued him when he went through his downswing. But the putting is back. He's gained at least 3.7 strokes on the green in all events across the starts this year with a high of 5.8 at the Farmers, which is only actually waiting three rounds that were measured at the South Course. That's kind of crazy to think about. And I believe historically he has done very well on the greens here. Arnold. Arnold. There we go. Yeah, once in his career has he ever lost strokes. No huge gains, but even the past four starts that he's made here, starting with the year that he won, 23rd, 22nd, 31st, 2.6, 3 3, 5.5. So listen, I'm not going to be the only one to tell you that Jason Day is probably a really good play this week. That shouldn't be a shocker to anyone. If people just look at recent form, they can do that. But just to see that he's transforming back into the player that he used to be is very critical at this moment. So this could be the breakthrough that everyone is waiting for. Justin Thomas. I don't know what's going on with this driver. It was so good in Phoenix, and it was so bad at the Century. Bad, below average at the Farmers, below average at the Genesis. But the funny narrative around Justin Thomas right now is that he kind of sucks, and he was bad on his approaches, and it was a lot of chipping and putting at the Genesis. But realistically, 25th, 25th, 4th, 20th. That's not... When you're losing ground and Rahm is winning all the time and Scheffler is winning and Homa is basically taking your spot, these seem like bad performances for a guy who's ranked top five in the world. But he doesn't have his best stuff, and he's still finishing inside the top 25 every single week. I don't love him here, especially with the way that he is hitting the ball off the tee with the lack of accuracy that he's seeing right now. It worries me. But, you know, we've seen him win some more difficult events, like winning at Southern Hills, a PGA Championship. Winning a PGA Championship at Quail Hollow is another one where you can kind of go through and you know, lean on your putter, lean on your short game. The short game, not a problem whatsoever. But he's having to rely on it more recently because the approaches have been really bad, which is crazy because you think about Justin Thomas as being one of the better players in the world from that regard. You know, it's like Morikawa, Tom Kim. Justin Thomas, like those are the guys in Zalatoris at the moment. So you can see Arnold Palmer Invitational, one start 2015, gained on approach and off the tees. That's great news. Terrible short game. Almost a lot 
very similar to what Rom did last year in his first start. So maybe Thomas, listen, no one's going to use him. So maybe you know what the upside is for Justin Thomas. He's won in Florida before. He's won the Players' Championship. He's won the Honda Classic. It was just a tournament that eluded him over time. So maybe he's you know can crank back up the form. He recently got married, taken this week off. Probably a good move for him. We'll see how it goes. Hatton just dummied this course <laughs> in his career. So uh, just to take a look, the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Second, 21st, 1st, 29th, 69th, bad run 2018, and 4th. So he's never missed a cut, puts the lights out on these greens. The approach shots have been excellent. And even coming into form, like he's not, he had a really bad last round at the Genesis. He was paired with Tiger then, but very good off the tee from what we've seen from this year. Very good approaches in Phoenix, so... Uh, I mean, it's going to be hard to fade Hatton because you know his price is going to be pretty juicy too. DraftKings-wise, he's probably going to be like 8600 8700 It's a really good price. Shane Lowry is a very interesting one because he gets his game back together at the Genesis after starting in the Middle East to begin the year. The Honda, he might win it, but check this out. Not good run for old Sugar Shane at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Now, this is almost identical to what Finau's Waste management history looks like, and we all talked about it. Can't make the putt, what or can't make the cut, whatever it might be. And then he loses to Webb Simpson in a playoff after we talk about all this. Then he goes back to being the guy who misses the cut every single year. So I'm not saying that you have to outright fade Lowry. People are going to look at this course history and say, hey, I'm not playing that guy, especially if he ends up winning, coming off a win. That's not usually a great spot to utilize any of these guys. But just the greens here, I mean, he's not a good putter anyway, and these greens just baffle him to no end. And you think this would be a perfect course for a guy who's as good off the tee as Shane Lowry and tee to green, but Canada's approaches can't chip, can't putt. It's just really bizarre. Uh, I guess something in the Orlando water doesn't really jibe well with him. Pretty bad on Bermuda as well. And even we're seeing at the Honda Classic, he's not putting well. That hasn't been the strength. It's been all tee to green. Zalatoris. Listen, I'm going to bet Zalatoris to win, obviously. It's me. I'm going to bet Zalatoris. Uh, we can see here his Arnold Palmer Invitational. He played it twice. Oh, he was only T38 last year, but he was 10th in his debut the year before that. Bad putting, bad around the green last year. Good around the green, bad putting the year before that. Good driving, good approaches. Ball striking, not a problem really ever for Will Zalatoris. And it was nice. He was bad at the Farmers this year. It happens. Uh, you know, pretty lackluster at the American Express. Ditto for the century. Rebounding back from injury took all that time off. But we saw what we needed to see at the Genesis. Uh, he putt well. He you know, drove it well. Hit his approach as well. And these are the type of scores where I want to have Will Zalatoris, where he doesn't need to get to minus 23 and make every single five-foot putt in order to win. Like when I read you off the list of players who have gained the most strokes, some of them are good putters. Most of them weren't. Corey Connors and Keegan Bradley. Will Zalatoris is essentially just the better version of those guys. So I, I think, listen, I'm not breaking any, I'm not, it's not a revelation that I'm going to like Will Zalatoris at a course that's hard, but he's someone else who's, you know, he's come second. He came second to Luke List at Torrey Pines. So I, I think the crossover is here. I mean, to call him safe, he can putt you out of any tournament. But uh, when you take a look at his putting splits, one thing you will notice, one, two, three, four, five, six consecutive tournaments 
where he has gained on the greens. And he is actually slightly above average on Bermuda grass greens. And by evidence of Torrey Pines, although that is POA, and the Masters, which is bent grass, which is his worst. But what do those two things have in common? They're both super fast greens, just like you see at Bay Hill. Plays well in difficult conditions. Plays well in, plays his better golf in windy conditions versus the field. So it's all lining up for him right now. Hopefully we get a pretty good price. Sam Ryder was the last one I really wanted to look at. As you can see at Farmers when he came fourth, you know, the driving was great. The approach was great. Everything was good across the board. And he's really bailed himself out the last two weeks with exceptional putting, which is something that Sam Ryder tends to do over time. Uh, and just a very poor driving at the Genesis. Now, these are super fields, and this is another super field, but a top 20 at Genesis and a top 20 at Phoenix, and the putting, yes, that does mask that, but I do take a look at Phoenix, and he gained almost as many strokes on, he had more strokes on approach, but not per round, as he did at the Farmers when he came in fourth, so if he can continue to hit his long irons really well, which is something that he does, he's top 25 in this field in approach proximity from beyond 200 yards, and he can keep the putter going, like another top 25 isn't outrageous to think. And it's not like all of a sudden the Sam Ryder is going to be priced up at $7,900 in the super field. Now he's going to be like 6,900 bucks, 6,800 bucks. Not saying Sam Ryder is going to win this event. I don't believe that to be true, but for a guy to get you through the cut, he's two or three in his career. He's gained on approach twice, gained on the greens every single time. He can be sunk by a shitty driver. Absolutely. But when you're going digging deep into the 6K range or even the low sevens, these are the type of guys that you need to play with in terms of you know, just adding fuel to the fire to jam in as many of the top guys as you can. So between Ryder and Luke List, you're going to have your deficiencies, but I think that they're both primed for a really nice opportunity to do well this week at Bay Hill. Let's jump to the model and see what we got going on over there. Let's shrink that down to past 36 rounds before we do anything. The key stats that I'm looking at this week, just in general, if you wanted a, you know, the too long didn't read version, you can always find this both in my newsletter, which you can subscribe to down in the comment section of the pod and the video. If you're watching on Game Plus TV, hello, thank you for tuning in on TV to, you know, watch me walk through a fancy spreadsheet. But if you just Google search Mayo Media Newsletter, you can go to it. It's on Substack. Subscribe completely for free where you get all of the information and the hot links throughout the course of the week. But the ones that you want to go through, approach, proximity, 200 yards, opportunities gained, par threes gained, 200 to 225 yards. Essentially overload all of that stuff. Now, in the modeling that I've built for this, you have, and you can do this on Fantasy National, fantasynational.com slash mayo to design whatever you want and get 20% off on that. The Masters is coming up. The Players is coming up. There's going to be million-dollar top prizes on DraftKings. You don't have Fantasy National? Give your fucking head a shake and go get it right now, okay? Fantasynational.com slash mayo. A'ight? Strokes gained approach. 35%. Par 5 Strokes gained 5%. It's important, but you know, it's when you start including putting in some of these stats, it's not the greatest thing going. Proximity 200 yards plus 10% opportunities gained 10%. Par four scoring 10%. Putting 5%. The amalgamation of chipping and putting 5%. Par threes from 200 to 225 yards 10% off the tee 10%. Over the past 36 rounds, let's get some answers here. No Abraham answers, mind you, because uh, we're not running a live modeling for the time being. But we can take a pretty close look at this. I'm guessing Rory, Rom, Chef, or Homa are going to be your one, two, three, four. Xander, Rom, Rory, Cantley, Hoagie, Tom, Kim over the past 36 rounds. Okay. So the losers that we see on the list, losers being a relative term in this field. Morikawa is number seven, by the way. Ben Griffin is number nine. Okay. 
Jason Day and Will Zalatoris, 11 and 12. Who else from down below? Gary Woodland and Sam Ryder, 16 and 17. Fucking Nick Hardy just burns me every single week if the numbers continue to love him. Hopefully once the Honda numbers load in this, they'll drop him to like 58th or something like that. I am doing this before the conclusion of the Honda, so they're not loaded in as of yet. Smalley continues to rate up there. What the fuck has Smalley been doing? Siwoo, Hovland, Connors, Fleetwood. Fleetwood had a pretty nice run. Top 20 at Riviera. Cam Young, top 20 in his debut a year ago at this course. Thomas Dietrich. We'll see what's happening with Dietrich. Uh, he withdrew from the Honda Classic. I don't know. It's because he five-putted from five feet, one of the holes, but he says he's hurt. So I'll tend to believe him for the moment. Hatton, Harmon, Cam, Jesus, Cam Davis. When was the last? I don't think that guy's made a cut all year. Poor Cam Davis. <laughs> Here's Smalley, by the way. Smalley missed at Genesis. All right, 22nd, 30, nothing crazy, but he's going to be very lowly ranked in this field. How was he done at this event? 38th last year. Couldn't make a putt to save his life, but everything else was actually pretty good for Alex Smalley last year. Mark Hubbard's the first alternate, so he's not technically in the field at the moment. List is 33rd. Lipsky. All right, give it a lipper. Throw a lipper in there and see what we got going on. Uh, the Gala is I mean, Batia is playing on the, uh, the Puerto Rico open is going on, by the way, just bet Batia, see what happens. Although Ryan Brem's really kind of kicking it up into high gear here. Lipsky. Let's see. Poor putting, poor iron, bad at Genesis. All right. Hasn't really been good since Sony for the lipper. So probably don't want to go to him. Who else? Hadwin. Hadwin could actually play pretty well here. Val, I mean, obviously we always circle players in Valspar, the shorter courses for Adam Hadwin, but Canadians just keep Popping up near the top of the leaderboard, so maybe it's something we can get behind. Buckley, Fowler, Buckley went full ejecto mode round two at the Honda. Riley actually made the cut, too. So let's shrink this down a little bit more and go to past 12 rounds, the very, very short term in terms of the modeling that we're looking at. Then we'll resize it out, take more of a macro view of some of the par three scoring, some of the long irons, and see who pops up in there. But I do want to see, sometimes short term, you can find a sleeper or two just to give you who's going on. Oh yeah, shocker, John Rom number 1. Rom, Rory, Xander, Scheffler, Morikawa. Morikawa just continues to play great golf. He won at a hard course at the concession in Florida the only time that he ever played that. The only time he's ever played this event, he came inside the top 10 and just he keeps firing at the moment. It's like he's actually putting pretty well for as much in your mind that he he had one poor putting performance. Other than that, I mean, he's played four events this year. He's come 6th, 3rd and 2nd. It's pretty good. Great around the green at the Genesis, too. The approach, not exactly where you want it to be the last two events, but if the putting and chipping is going to be there, we know how deadly accurate he is off the tee that he shouldn't get himself into too much trouble. Shouldn't being the opportune word there. And obviously, he can play in the win. He won the Open Championship, so here we go. Ron Rory, Xander Scheffler, Colin Morikawa, Woodland, Fowler, Windy C, Wyndham Clark, shout out Kirshner on that one. Luke List and Max Homa. That's your top 10. Fino's tied with Max Homa in the overall ranking. After that, from the bottom, Thigala and Lashley, Bramwagon, Ben Griffin, Sam Ryder, Taylor Moore. Kyle Westmoreland is up there as well. He's now Pearson Cootie, who, if he had missed the cut line last week, he would have got his daddy to pay off the PGA Tour to allow all the plus twos to play the weekend. Because that's only fair for Pearson Cootie and his brother, whatever the fuck his name was, Cootie. That guy. Go back to the Corn Fairy, pal. Hoagie. Hatton, Will Zalatoris, Chris Kirk, Shane Lowry. 
All right, there's Smalley again. Keith Mitchell, you have to give Keith some look here after what he did at Riviera, how he's performed earlier on in the year. He's first off the tee over that time, 16th in par four scoring. He just makes a few more putts. You know, Keith Mitchell on Bermuda is always where you want to play Keith Mitchell because that's his least worst putting surface. He's that His only win came at the Honda. And like he left a lot on the table at the Genesis in that final round on the greens. If he had just putted a little bit better, he could have challenged Rom for the victory. Ditto for Cantley throughout the course of the week. He was running pretty hot towards the end of it on the greens. Tom Kim has been kind of a letdown recently. I love him at the players next week. But, yeah, two bad iron performances in a row, three bad driving performances. Seems atypical from what he was doing, but maybe he peaked and now he's back on the way down. I'd like to see something out of him this week, but I don't want him to do too much at the same time. I know it's awkward when you start getting into those ideas like, well, I don't want to see him miss the cut. That will kill his odds. But if he plays like shit, it's like, oh, man, like how can I ever back this guy? He's 40-1 to 1 at DraftKings Sportsbook to win the Players' Championship as of right now. So, I mean, I'm going to bet that number either way. I hope, Hopefully it gets a little better week of, and that means he needs to come like T31 this week and maybe like lose nine strokes on the greens or something like that. But ball strike, I mean, that's the ideal situation because I'm probably not going to bet him this week at Bay Hill. Let's go back to past 36 rounds and take a look at this key par 3 range and long irons. So the key par 3 range that we're looking at, and of course this factors in 200 to 225-yard par 3s, all four of them this week in this bucket. But when we look at who has gained the most on these holes, that also includes putting as a factor of this. Don't forget that. Uh, Dietrich is number one tied with Gary Woodland. Gary, call me Gary. He's been running pretty decently. For the moment, it's been all ball strike. We know he can't chip. We know he can't putt, but he's come pretty close in this tournament in the past. Fifth last year, uh, missed the cut the year before that, 21st, 20th, 27th. So a lot of good, consistent play. Uh, and obviously his irons and off the tee are you know, over his past five tournaments, beats his last 10, beats his last 20, beats his career average. in all of those numbers, can't chip or putt, but maybe get lucky one of these weeks. Uh, so he's tied for first along with Grio. So those are the big three. Uh, Hovland, who obviously could have won this tournament last year. Tom Kim, number five. Tom Hoagie. Then you have Badley, Spawn, Rose, Grayson Sig, Xander Shoffley. Jason Day is up there as well. Matt Fitzpatrick. Fucking Nick Hardy again. Go away, Nick Hardy. Fleetwood, Homa, Burns, Thirsty Lawrence. My guy in only eight rounds. Oh, Thirsty Lawrence. I'm going to lose so much money on you at this tournament. Tyson Alexander, Cole Hammer, Straka. Okay. So those are the guys that played well from that range. Let's go to the over 200-yard proximity. Sungjae, Cantley, Morikawa, Woodland, Rom. Davis Riley still up there, shockingly enough. Tom Kim, Tom Hoagie, Xander, Dietrich, Clark, Kazire, Svensson, okay, Aaron Wise, who had some good run uh, ball striking wise, as pointed out at this tournament, Rory, Ryan Fox, Max Homa, Ben Griffin, Shane Lowry, Luke List, another one, Hovland and Ryder, all guys, oh, Pearson Cody is playing, oh, he must have got a bribe from that family money to get into the field this week. Uh, very good at his long irons, apparently. That's only in four rounds, though. We'll get the more weighted going into it. Uh, but listen, I don't actually have anything to get him. Just that name is so ridiculous that I can't get it out of my mind. So in terms of par threes and the 200-yard proximity, that's what we're looking at. Let's shrink the sample down now. We'll go to putting. 
to take a look at both fast and lightning per round, because that's what we're going to see, these really fast greens. And then we'll take a look at Bermuda splits on those as well. Now, that might be reaching too far back in time, so you can shrink it down. That's what you do with one of these memberships to Fantasy National. We'll shrink it down to past 24 rounds. We'll look at an average, and I'll even take a look at what they, the weighted of. We'll take an average, and we'll go to fast, filter for green speed, and lightning, which is even faster, the fastest of the fast, which this tournament most definitely qualifies for. And that's the thing. We want to see the sample. That's why there's only so many that are lightning per year. At least this gives us a little bit more of a sample to draw from. So if we take a player like Troy Merritt, not sure what's going on with Norrin. He's currently in the field. He withdrew from the Honda. Maybe just didn't want to play. I don't know. So Merritt's go back to, okay, they go back to Rocket Mortgage of last year. That's fine. That's a decent enough sample uh, for me. Some other guys are going to go back a little bit further, especially if they're non-full-time members. Like, you, I mean, even Norrin goes back to just the players from last year. So I guess when we put on the Bermuda filter, it's going to be a little bit different. So on average, fast and lightning greens over the past 24 rounds. Putnam, Montgomery, Flea Market, Justin Lower. What the hell is Justin Lower doing in this field? John Rom, Bo Hossler, Sam Ryder, Ben Taylor, Homa, Burns, and... S.H. Kim, Aaron Wise up there as well. Uh, the worst from that range or on that, Luke List, big shocker, Windy C, Adrian Moronk. That's only in four rounds. That was from the Genesis last week, I believe. Siwoo, Woodland, all the, all the regulars that you expect to be up there for terrible putting <laughs> on fast greens. Uh, hopefully, I mean, minus 1.2 strokes per round for Luke List on fast greens like might be better than he actually that's maybe better than his baseline overall who knows uh, with some of this stuff but if you can just get the chipping going we're good to go see like Higo and Scheffler they're all just like slightly lower uh, Webb and Morikawa slightly lower lower speed slightly lower than average you have like Kitayama's making his first start I do like Kitayama at these coastal windy tracks he's a bomber as well so keep an eye on him my guy Eric Cole maybe I'll just retire after he wins a Honda Classic this week wouldn't that be nice? So those are the guys on fast and lightning just overall. Let's go to Bermuda grass filter on that, which is what we're going to see this week. Now, obviously, some guys don't have enough rounds to even come close to qualify. And again, let's take a look at Jason Day and how far back his goes Bermuda fast and lightning. Now, his go back to, all right, 2021 at the players is like his 24 rounds to go through everything. That's not bad. Okay, I'll take that uh, and to see how we're doing. Uh, Dietrich, Montgomery, Putnam, so similar guys, Hatton, Ben Taylor, Sam Burns. Burns keeps popping up in all these numbers. We keep seeing them. So does Sam Ryder. Keep seeing them up there. Adam Scott, Kisner, S.H. Kim, Rose, Davis Riley, Mac Hughes, Sungjae, Tommy Fleetwood. Okay, who do we have as the worst from this range? Luke List. <laughs> there we are again. Luke List, Corey Connors, Colin Morikawa. Yeah, all the guys that you would think would be shitty putters. Yeah, well, they're up there in terms of the shit putting rankings for all of this. So that's the walkthrough this week for the Arnold Palmer Invitational. That does mean we need to actually guess the odds for the week. And a lot of this is going to be based off what I saw at Riviera and Phoenix in the way that they actually structured the odds. So the big three you got, let's see here. You got Rom, Rory, and Scheffler. Those are going to be the big three at almost every tournament until, I mean, if Max wins this one, he's probably interjected himself into that mix, at least at this point of time of the season. But I'm going Rom at 8-1, to one, Rory and Scheffler both 
at 9-1. to one. So you have Rom, the hottest player in the world, the number one ranked player, who's only ever played this course once, versus the 2-3 and three player, one being the defending champion, who just won an elevated event in Phoenix, and then Rory, who's had a lot of success at this course over the course of his career, including a win when he stormed back from, I believe it was eight strokes to win. I remember it was in Mexico at the time. 2018 is when that happened. So... It's a great course for Rory. Plenty familiar. He's the number two player in the world. So those are going to be your big three. I think Homa comes in next at 14 to one based on his course history and his recent form where JT is probably next, but gets a little bit of a ding in, in that Xander range at like 16, 18, mainly because he's coming in with relatively poor form for Justin Thomas. However, he's only played this course once. That was eight years ago. That stuff goes in to how the odds are weighted. That, that course history is built in. So it's not like, oh, this guy is you know, really good at this course. Look at this great number that I'm getting. No, that, that's already factored in when we get into the odds at a lot of these places. So I have JT at 16, Xander at 18, Cantlay at 22, along with Morikawa and Finau. All those guys at 22 to 1. I have Hovland and Fitz at 25 to 1. Zalatoris, Cam Young, Sungjae Im, all at 28 to 1. And then I have Lowry. That's going to be dependent on how he does at Honda at 33. Tom, Kim, Spieth, and Burns, all at 35. And then you have this weird mix of guys the next level down because people love betting on The Gala. We'll end up seeing how he ends up doing. But the six that I identified were Hideki, Day, Fowler, Scott, Keegan, and Tyrrell Hatton. Hatton could open at 28. He could open at 50. I have no idea how the books are going to price him. But of course, if I just said course history is factored in, it doesn't seem like the books treat Hatton like a real player amongst the world's elite. So you might get a bit of that factored in, plus the course history probably levels out around 35, 40, 45, somewhere in that range. But one of these guys is going to end up opening at like 65 and then get beat down to 35, a lot like we saw with Svensson this week. But Day probably opens at 35, 40. If he opens at 50, that's going to be an insta bet for everyone this week. Same as Hideki. If he opens at 50, I think people are just going to go to that well and just bang off some, some Hideki at this course. And although 50 is probably his true odd at this point, it will seem long compared to what everyone else's odds are. But for me, I'm looking at, if I can get Zalatoris at 28 or better, I'm in right away. If I get him 25 or better, I'm likely in right away. I'm curious about the Morikawa number. It feels like the books are disrespecting him a little bit, considering, like I mentioned, he has three top 10 finishes, or top, was it three top five finishes and four starts so far this season? If he hangs at 25, insta-bet, 22 is probably a good look as well. Homa will be a super interesting one, whether the books tend to, because he was undervalued at Torrey Pines, then he was overvalued at Riviera, but then he dropped at Riviera. <laughs> he, I think he opened at 16 and JT opened at 22, and then they kind of swapped spots, and Homa got as low as 24 by the time that all came around. So, I mean, all things being equal, although I'm starting to rethink this position a little bit. When I talked to Joe on his show, Preferred Lines, I said that 100 times out of 100. At the same number, I would bet Justin Thomas over Max Homa. I believe that Justin Thomas is a better player. I still do. I would still bet him at the same number over Max Homa. But if you give me 8 to 10 points, hell, give me 6 to 10 points on Homa over Justin Thomas. That chasm has been closed, and I'll take the extra six points on Max Homa if they're going to be pretty... If we're having the discussion of would you want this guy or this guy at the same number, if one guy is eight points better, take the guy at plus eight points. It doesn't really matter who he is. We're betting numbers here. We're not necessarily betting people. Day is an interesting one, though. So Will Z, Day, 
Burns are the three I'm super interested in. And then you have that like Homa, JT, Morikawa range of, are they going to give us a good number on one of those guys? We'll wait and see. Fitz is another one. I have him at 28 right now. He's dealing with the sore neck. He hasn't looked good so far this year. His results are immaculate at this course. Like I mentioned, four consecutive top tens, but we don't know if he's healthy or not. Maybe the books factor that in. Maybe he opens at 35 or 40. I don't even know what I would do with those numbers. I'm just trying to talk through what could happen on the boards this season. Anyway, that will do it on the Pat Mayo Experience. As I mentioned before, the Wednesday to Wednesday deal on the weekly membership at fantasynational.com is a great way to play it this week with million dollar prize pools up top with million dollars for the winner and then giant prize pools on DraftKings next week for the players championship so you're going to want the tools and the builds and everything for that so you might as well go wednesday to wednesday use fantasynational.com slash mayo to get yourself 20 percent off do your research as soon as the official field is announced or the DraftKings odds will get those populated throughout the course of the week so you can get your start on the players championship earlier than you think as well. The listeners league for this week at Bay Hill down in the description right now. So please go play that three max entry, $15 to play 3,500 spots. No rake. We fill it up quickly. We get 5,000 spots next week. That means $65,000 of guaranteed money. That is rake free. Everyone wants that and smash the like and sub to the channel while you're here as well. Sub to the podcast where you're at. I'm dropping bonus shows on the audio feed right now as well that don't necessarily make it up to the video version. So you got to sub to the pod, all right? Leave a five-star rating and review while you're there. Anyway, good luck this week. I'm Pat Mayo. I'll see you next time. Experience! Experience!